Welcome to Whole Mother. This is KPFT 90.1 HD1. I'm your host, Pat Jones, and we are at KPFT Houston Community Station. Whole Mother is a voice in our community which educates and informs us. There are many decisions to be made out there as a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, birthing person, friend. Whole Mother believes that we need to always make our choices out of rational thinking. Choices that are made through education and research, not out of fear, especially fear that is imposed by those who stand to gain by our choices. It is hoped that the education you receive on this show will contribute to changing the way we birth and the way we parent. All humans are born good. I've seen more than 3,000 babies come into the world, and I can tell you that there are no bad babies. There are no bad humans. All babies are born exactly the same in their goodness, their innocence, their curiosity, their brilliance, their ability to love and to trust. They're all born with the same delight in the world. It doesn't matter what country they're born in, what their skin color is, what language they're learning to speak, or how much money is in their family. We are all born with the same goodness. We all come into the world with the same potential. If that's true, that all humans are born without hate, judgment, shame, jealousy, then where do we learn those qualities if we're not born with them? Oh, Mother is here to look at our parenting, which begins in the very first moment, probably at conception. Remember that KPFT is listener-sponsored, and you are the listeners. There's no corporate sponsorships. That means we get to bring you information, education that's not funded or sponsored by anyone but you. But we need your help to stay on the air. In order to stay on the air, we need to raise $1,400 every quarter. So we need you to help us in whatever way you can. Donate, tip, pledge. You can go to kpft.org or you can call 713-526-5738. Whole Mother won't be here without your support. Raising human beings is the hardest and the most important job there is in the world. Parents need support and love and correct information to do this incredibly difficult job of raising humans. My guest this evening is Mary Love. She's a clinical director, a certified nurse midwife, a family nurse practitioner. Mary's first encounter with a midwife was on the night she was born as she slipped into her mother's awaiting hands. It was in her early 20s that she heard the call and set out on her own path to become a midwife, first attending workshops and assisting Pamela Hunt and the other midwives at the farm. The farm is where Ina Mae Gaskin comes from. She received a bachelor's degree in nursing science from Tennessee State University and her master's in nursing from Vanderbilt University. In addition to being a certified nurse midwife, she's also a family nurse practitioner 
with experience in pediatric, primary, urgent, and emergency care. When not catching babies or thinking of ways to fix a particular problem, Mary enjoys cooking, gardening, sewing, and folding laundry. She's married and shares four wonderful children with her husband. Welcome to Whole Mother, Mary. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me on today. Uh, would you, first of all, tell the audience a little bit about uh, the origin of Heart of Houston? Tell us about your journey to create Heart of Houston and and what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Heart of Houston Birth and Wellness Center is the birth center that I um, co-founded with uh, my partner, Jessica Gonzalez. Uh, I do the clinical side and she does kind of our classes and programming side. Uh, it, the idea, you know, kind of came, I, I moved to Houston in 2013 with my family and was working in a midwifery practice and would hear folks all the time say, Oh, we'd really like a, a birth center birth, but we don't want to go to the woodlands or, or, or to the far out suburbs. And, you know, after many years of thinking somebody really should do this, <laughs> uh, why isn't anybody, why isn't anybody doing this? You know, one of those little, little light bulbs went off in my head. The other is, is that I worked, um, on a hospitalist team, uh, with one of the hospitals here in Houston, and we took care of so many high risk, uh, pregnancies in that in that role that we really kind of saw I got to see a whole nother side of pregnancy and birth that wasn't necessarily right in the in the midwives window. And the realization that every pregnancy can benefit from having a midwife involved, um, even in the most high risk complicated circumstances, all of the normal still exist. Yes. And um, too often, it's just sort of forgotten uh, and set set aside. I once was uh, just triaging a patient uh, that had come into the hospital for something very routine, like back pain or you know heartburn or or something that's a very common you know thing to have happen in pregnancy. And when when I went in, you know, after evaluating, getting done, and I said, "Oh, this is just a, a what we call a normal discomfort in pregnancy," and she burst into tears, mm -hmm. and she said, "Nothing has been normal this whole pregnancy. I can't tell you how happy I am to just have something be normal. Um, everything's been about whatever the very complicated situation, you know, was." And I just thought, "Oh man, you know, like." all of these, all of these people that, that, that are on this other, other path, they're missing out on some of that goodness. And so that kind of is where the vision for Heart of Houston came is that we want to be able to provide care to clients that are, you know, uh, fits for midwifery practice. So low, low risk pregnancies and that, but we also want to be able to uh, provide services to people that are, that are more complex and complicated. And yeah. so we do that with our we have a what we call our whole heart collective, and it's kind of a, a membership pro subscription service, I guess, that that has lots of classes and groups and activities, and and there's ways to you know have kind of one on one one on one uh, consults with the midwives. So to be able to sort of bring in all of that normal and that community support support uh, to any pregnancy, whether they're 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 giving birth with us or not. 
two things I heard. One is that uh, all women, regardless of uh, the routine or the normal normalcy of their pregnancy or whatever, uh, they need information. They need education. Uh, and it's it's kind of difficult to get that out there when when, <laughs> when something occurs uh, kind of rapidly. And and the other thing I heard is how important it is that we listen to women. And that's kind of what midwifery does really well that I think we don't get in the medical model, uh, partly because they don't have time to listen, uh, perhaps. It's not incorporated into, uh, you know, their short visits. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, one of the things like for for clients coming into our practice, and this is very, you know, common with a lot of midwifery practices, is the length of our visits. So rather than, you know, we schedule our our routine visits for about an hour long. Uh, mm-hmm. First visits can even be a little bit longer than that. Um, because then there's time to listen and there's time to provide information. And so, you know, the 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 clinical part just can take a few minutes, you know, it right. can take you can you can feel a, feel a belly and listen to a baby and get vital signs and, you know, check urine and draw labs in just a few minutes, but it takes longer to listen and answer, you know, answer questions and explain what it is that we're, what it is that we're doing. You know, we, in our practice, if there's labs that are coming up to be done, we'll say, Hey, your next visit, X, Y, and Z, you know, we're going to, we're going to, um, it's when usually the screening for, for gestational diabetes is done. And let's talk about why that's a recommended, you know, test and what do those, that, what does that information mean? And what do we do with that information? Um, and, and what if we don't have that information, you know, and, and kind of really be able to, to do that. I, I feel like my job as a midwife is to provide information and make recommendations and then folks get to do with that what they want, you know, yes, they get and, to make educated decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And then they can, they can do that. And one of the things we talk about is, is when in, in the big system of how our healthcare system is traditionally done, everybody kind of gets shoved into a one size fits all box, you know, like mm-hmm. we're all going to squish you into this container that really is one size fits nobody, but we're all going to, you know, have to do that. And what I really love about uh, the care that that we can give is it becomes sort of like just the ability to shape the container around you, around that person that's pregnant, around the family, and create the container for for their pregnancy the way that they need to, and 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 then build that and and have that grow into you know parenting and and you know the next things to come in their life when you have those choices and you feel like you have the ability to, you know, for self-determination, mm-hmm. it, it grows from there. Yes. Uh, tell the audience a little more about the collective and all the things that you offer. Yeah. So the whole heart collective is a, there's, there's kind of some core bits that come into it. So we have sort of some core, what we call our core classes that, that rotate. Um, uh, there's usually at least one every week and they kind of rotate. So like a class on newborn, a newborn care and comfort measures in labor and, and um, stages of labor, 
postpartum, you know, planning and, and kind of the reality of all of it. I know there's some that somewhere and I'm forgetting what they are off the top of my head. Um, and then we have uh, postpartum groups. Uh, there's, we have one that happens in person every, every Thursdays. And then on Wednesdays, there's one that right now they're doing a lot of meetups and walks. Um, or sometimes it's even virtual because we all know some days you don't want to put on your pants and roll out of bed and go somewhere. Um, and, and, and then those are, those postpartum groups are kind of, uh, led by the people that are there, you know, so it's, it's sort of an open format, I guess we do have, um, a couple times a month, Leah, uh, Jolly with Bay area breastfeeding will attend. So she can help out with breastfeeding classes, questions and latching and pumping and on bottle feeding and, and that as well too. Um, and then um, Mary Alice, who's an intern over at the center for postpartum family health comes sometimes. And so um, she does that. We also offer, it's like an, an anxiety support group that can be prenatal postpartum could be none of those that, that are, are available to people group activities, sometimes there's just, it's just a whole variety of things. And then also we have a lot of other uh, professionals that come and use our space. So Prelude Music comes and does baby music mm. for pregnancy or for birth. Um, uh, there's a yoga night. There's just kind of a whole rotating things. And those things are either available for free to our clients, for the members of the collective, or sometimes at a reduced fee um, with that. And there's also some um, other professionals that offer discounts to Whole Heart Collective members as well too, um, mm-hmm. around around the around the city. Is it still the um, policy that you don't have to be having a baby at Heart of Houston in order to? Absolutely. Um... Yep. Absolutely. So our our clients that are having babies with us get enrolled in the, in the, in that membership, but it's also open to anybody. So people can go to the website and, and, and we're actually going to be launching a, a whole separate website that's separate from the birth center website um, and can go on there and, and there's different kind of levels of activity and see all the events and the calendar. And so we do. And the nice thing is we're getting more, more folks that, that aren't, um, haven't had babies with us or maybe their friend did and they're, you know, they, they, they referred them over. And so it is really exciting to see those uh, that support go beyond just the walls of, you know, who's, who's seeing us for prenatal care. I think that's um, feels like a real community birth center, doesn't it? It is. And it's so, it's so fun to walk in. I walked in, uh, the other day and walked past kind of our community room and yeah, the, the, the music for babies class was going on. And I was just like, Oh, oh this is, <laughs> this is like what we've been, you know, this is what we dreamed of, you know, when yes. we were, when we were yes. doing this or to see pictures of, of folks doing stuff outside of, you know, what we do where they've met people and, and have built mm-hmm. those other relationships is really, is really wonderful. And that was kind of the, the big goal and the big dream was to, to, to bring in so much more and have it grow beyond our, beyond our walls. Mm -hmm. Uh, So before we go any further, would you tell the audience uh, your street address and how we could reach you online and to get more information and Absolutely. So we, uh, oh, we recently moved into our long awaited space. We're in 
the Bel Air Pro- Professional Building. The address is 6550 Maple Ridge Street, Houston, Texas, 77081. We're right near uh, the Bel Air Triangle where Bel Air and Chimney Rock and Bisonet all come together. We're just a couple couple blocks kind of behind that. And um, our phone number is 832-899-4971. And then, of course, the easiest way to probably find out more information is to go to our website, which is heartofhoustonbirth.com. Heartofhoustonbirth.com. Yes. Very good. Uh, What would you like people to know about Heart of Houston? I think um, that we're an open space for everybody Um, that we in coming up with, you know, as we were developing heart of Houston, it was a very mindful process and a mindful process that not only, you know, tried to meet the needs of the community and fill in some gaps um, and be a space that, you know, I want anybody that walks in the door to feel like they're kind of wrapped in love and, and like, oh, okay, these, these, these people will take me as I come. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to be a space for the people that work there to t- be treated in the same way or the people that come and provide, um, you know, do classes or offer other services to really feel like you belong to a community and that you're welcome in any way um, that you are. We always laugh uh, that, you know, if there's somebody new coming in or if we're working with a student, they'll often say like, oh, is there, you know, do we have to wear scrubs? Is there a dress code policy? And um, uh, the answer to that is our unofficial dress code is that we should all wear at least one more layer of clothing than the person giving birth is wearing. And as you know, that usually by the time somebody gives birth in a birth center, they're not wearing anything. Um, But just, uh, just, uh, we want people to feel good in what they wear. And the same with our, our, our clients, when they come in, we want them to feel that. So we look like regular people, you know, sometimes we're a little more dressed up and sometimes we might just be in, you know, leggings and, and, and something that's, comfortable and cozy. Um, and, and that we extend those same kind of courtesies that we offer to our clients and the respect and the time, uh, to everybody that works there as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, tell the audience a little more about what kind of education that they might receive. If, if, if I want to come and maybe have a baby with you, how will I be educated? Yeah. So that starts with, there's a couple different paths for, for education. I think that where it starts is what we talked a little bit earlier is just having time and visits to sit down and communicate about what's going on and listen. You know, one of, one of my favorite things to ask kind of towards the beginning of any, any prenatal visit is, is do you have any big questions today or do you have any questions about what's going on in your body? You know, is it, is sort of a, a way to start out, with what's happening, um, because then you, you get to kind of really see what what they're thinking and what their concerns are about. Because of course, then we have sort of a list of things to get to as, as well too sometimes. And so we 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 try to time what we're talking about uh, with when it's pertinent in a pregnancy. And we we have our 
for people in our care, they get a copy. We have sort of a the midwife checklist that sort of shows what's happening in each visit, you know, and of course we can shuffle that around, but, but all of our clients have access to that. So sometimes they're like, Oh, look, next week we're talking about breastfeeding. And next, the one after that is about newborn, the newborn experience at birth. And, and so they can anticipate what's happening and, and we can, we can kind of review all of, you know, all of the things. And, and it's a great way to, to meet people at where they're at too. Some people come in with lots of, lots of knowledge and questions. And some people are like, just surprise me, <laughs> you, know, you know? And, and so it's always, you know, fun to be able to do that. And then with the whole heart collective, they have access to all of those classes and education and support. And then we always uh, encourage folks to consider hiring doulas. We love working with doulas. I think they're just about, you know, magical unicorns of people usually. Um, and, you know, and seek information in different sources as well, too, because, uh, I think one of the things that's really lovely, we have, we have three midwives in our practice and, and our clients see all of the midwives throughout the practice and they, they will hear some of the same stuff, but they get to hear it in a little different way. So the way I say something's a little bit different than the way Bethany says something. And so it's, you know, one of those things might stick a little bit more than the other. And sometimes if you repeat things enough times, you know, part of it will, part of it will happen, which is, which is a great postpartum. I, I tell people all the time, if you remember about 20% of what you think you need to know going into postpartum and your partner remembers another 20%, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll figure the rest, you'll figure the rest out. Uh, what about nutrition? Um, what is your philosophy or advice or what, how, how do you educate people about nutrition? Yeah. So we, I think we're kind of the middle ground on nutrition and supplements and, and, and that, um, I think our bodies are really pretty amazing things. And if we give it the fuel that it needs, it, it will take care of itself really well. But on the other hand, it's also incredibly forgiving. And so we don't have to be perfect every day. And, and our bodies don't run on a 24 hour nutrition cycle. And if you, if you blow it one day, you're out, you know, it, it, it's, it's an ongoing process. And so um, we talk a lot about nutrition and we talk a lot about hydration, but not necessarily uh, our philosophy and our practice isn't like, okay, you must have exactly this much protein and exactly this much sugar, and you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, because that's not going to work for very many, many people at all. But, you know, sometimes say, hey, tell me about uh, how you're eating or, or what you're eating. Um, we spend a lot of time, if we do have somebody that that screens, screens positive on the gestational diabetes screening, we spend a lot of time kind of looking at diet review and not necessarily critiquing specific foods, but looking at that big picture and saying, wow, would you look at these trends or, or maybe kind of shuffling these things around a little bit. Um, the down and dirty, and you're probably realizing that I, I like to make things as simple as possible for people. So usually when the first conversation, when we're talking about nutrition with a client that I have is, you know, I'll say if, if, if what you'll put in your body, you'll feed your first baby when they're between one and two years old, you're probably doing okay. Not the third kid. The third kid's probably going to eat goldfish off the floor and they'll still be okay. They'll still probably be okay too, you know, but we, but you know, if, and if you know, if you can look at your foods and you know what they are 
and where they came from and what the ingredients are, you're probably doing okay as well too. And then, and then our bodies are just so forgiving, but also things that tend to, we do bet well when we drink, we drink lots of water and we eat fruits and vegetables and we get some sleep and we see the sunshine every day and we take a walk around the block. And those things are even more important when we're in pregnancy and, and for children and, and postpartum. And so those are kind of the basis is where we start, you know, if, okay, if we've, if you've got something going on or you're having a hard time or you've got this, okay, let's go back to the beginning and see, see if there's something like that, um, that can shift and, and not trying to fix everything at once. Just pick one thing, you know, pick, pick one thing to improve on. Very good. Um, Running a birth center, uh, being a midwife is a difficult job. It's a hard job. Um, would you uh, like to share a little uh, with the audience about what's hard about being a midwife? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think birth work and being a midwife gets overly romanticized so frequently. Um, and we see this a lot in, I see this in young midwives coming in or students and uh, sometimes with new doulas um, and the experiences maybe they had at their birth or with somebody else's birth and, and um, seeing the power in birth um, and how kind of magical it is. And it is, it's, it is all of those things. But it's hard to sustain yourself as a person off of that magic because there's a lot of really hard parts to it as well. And so the reality, uh, the reality, yeah, the reality is, is you probably are going to sleep crazy hours. And um, if you sleep at all, if you sleep at all. Yeah. You know, we get we get magic. We get we get pretty good at that. But I think one of the things that that often is is forgotten is that when when we're up all night at a birth or gone for 24 hours with somebody else's, you know, giving, giving, giving our professional experience and giving, you know, kind of our, our time and our joy to this family that's having this amazingly mind blowing, important event happening. We're not with our own families, you know, and, and um, that can be something that can be really, really draining on, on families over time, you know, that, that birth work is really, is really hard and really stressful. Um, and that's one of the things with, I think is really important. You know, we, we have a couple midwives and we've invested in having a few midwives uh, in our practice because it means that one day there, there are days when we can turn off our phone and we don't have to be at anyone's, you know, answer to anybody's phone call. We can just, we can just be present in whatever else is happening. And when we have consultations, when, you know, people come in and and they have consultations, sometimes that's a, you know, kind of having to share, share midwives or see a couple midwives. That's not a good fit for some people. They want to know that this one person is going to be the person I see, and I'm only going to see them and they're going to be at my birth. Um, And that's a really phenomenal relationship there. But it's also really hard on the person that's, that's providing that. And I think sometimes, you know, if there's one thing that I maybe wish people would, would um, that sometimes midwives need to be midwifed too. And yes. sometimes we need to, we need to turn our phones off and walk away um, yes. as well too. Yes. 
Well, sometimes we have to in order to survive. We just don't have a choice about it as much as we might want to be at that person's birth, as much as we would like that, we want that as much as they do, we can't. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, I kind of have a deal with my family and, and now that our heart of Houston is getting a little bit more established, we just, we, we just hit year two or completed year two and we just had babies 100 and one uh, and 101 this week, which is, you know, really, really exciting and awesome. Um, but the, that, you know, like we share call and when it's my turn to not be on call or when we switch the, the deal that I kind of have with my family is that then we switch, you know, and, and mm-hmm. sometimes that might be in the middle of, of somebody's birth or at the end of somebody's birth. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but, but it's time for me to go home and to see my people, you know? And, and so that's something that too, with the midwives coming in and with birth workers and with birth assistants that I really kind of encourage them to, to set some boundaries and be able to say, okay, I'm done. I I have to be done. I have to be done now. I have to walk away because I'm going to have to come back tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's, it's very hard uh, for women in general, to make boundaries for themselves. Uh, and it it's especially is. hard in in this particular kind of work. It uh, is, but boundaries are so amazing, yeah. um, especially for parents. You know, I think that's one of the things that, that we talk about with new parents, and especially when you become that first parent and you step into that parent seat out of the child seat and having to make decisions for yourself and to, you know, <laughs> parenting's kind of like coming up with the best decision when there's no good option sometimes, or there's 50 good options and you have to figure out which one is you. And you just have to like go with it and kind of own it sometimes, even though we're just sort of faking it all. Yeah. Parenting is a lot of, a lot about just sort of faking it as you go along. Um, and, and sometimes just setting, and when we set those boundaries, especially with people and family members um, and say, nope, this is what we're, the decision we're making for our kid and this is the way we're going to do it. It can be really liberating. You know, sometimes we think yes. about boundaries as being constricting, but really they can be so liberating to be yes. able to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. I'm thinking in this moment about how in a medical practice, uh, physicians make boundaries about when they're on call and when they're not on call. And we sort of just accept that. And I don't think there's any of that um, emotional energy about it for them. They know they have certain hours, certain days they're on, certain days they're off. But for midwifery, it seems like um, it, we, we see it a little differently. We have some sort of loyalty or obligation or attachment that's very hard for us to walk away from. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you spend that time with somebody and you're there and you're, you, you do get invested, um, I think sometimes in a little different way and, and, in some ways that's really wonderful, but I think in some ways too, it, it, it can be, um, it can lead to burnout, you know, for, for, yes. for midwives, the longevity of a, of a midwife, uh, is often not, you know, you either sort of burn out really fast or you go for the long haul, you know, I think with, with a lot of midwives, um, 
And I think that's something that with our younger generations and our students mm-hmm. and, and that are growing up, that those are conversations that, that those of us that, you know, lead students and younger people to really, you know, really kind of talk about as well too. Although I do see that with the, with the younger generation of midwives, they don't have a, you know, the nice thing is, is they don't have as uh, always as big a problem with those boundaries as well yes. too, which is I- good. Right. I've seen that too. Uh, the other thing I think is might be worth noticing here is um, that the feelings that we have about it, I don't think that the the client, the family, I'm not sure that they always know uh, how sad it is for us to say, I won't be on call <laughs> for you this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to my family. I, you know, for them, it probably just looks like, oh, well, they're they're not going to be on call this weekend. Yeah. They don't know how we, we, you know, we sort of suffer over that. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny because I just said we had our hundredth baby, but she was also uh, our first repeat client with the oh, practice. Nice. And she had started to have some labor, you know, kind of symptoms. And I, I had stuff to do for like a day and a half. And I was like, just hold this baby in for two <laughs> days. And then I can be there. Cause I wanted, you know, I wanted yes. to be there yes. um, for that one. Cause it was going to be such a big moment, but also I had other things that I had, you know, committed to with, with my family. It was like, just, yeah. just, you know, and, and she did, it was great. And then as soon as I went back on call, I was like, okay, anytime, anytime, <laughs> and, you know, the next summer, it's, it's, it's all you, but it is, I mean, we, I mean, we want to be there for, for all of them. Yes. And one of the things that, that I've, I think is really interesting is that I think usually the midwife that needs to be there and the team that needs to be there is exactly who needed mm-hmm. to be there for one reason or another. And, and it's always so fascinating to me in a birth when you've got your midwife and a birth assistant and a doula and a family member, and maybe somebody else who ends up being that one person that's kind of the anchor for the person in labor. Cause sometimes it's really surprising, you know, who, mm-hmm. who, who it is, who's got the magic hands yes. that can do the hip squeezes just right. You know, <laughs> that has to keep getting called into to service. And I think those are some of the things that are really, uh, really interesting to me um, to be able to sometimes just be on the, on the periphery or to be in the background and kind of watch what else is, is happening in, in the room because the person in labor isn't going to see those, those right. things because they're in another space, but to be able to watch kind of the magic and the dance of everything else that's happening is really, really amazing. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, um, while we're talking about what's hard, anything else you can think of that <laughs> we might share with the audience while we're talking about what's really hard about midwifery is we don't usually talk about that. You know, people uh, don't really know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that's also really hard sometimes is having to work both inside of a system and outside of a system. So we're sort of in, in many instances, kind of in no man's land, you know, that, that maybe you're not all the way over, over into the, into the medical, you know, establishment of maternity care and that kind of stuff, but you're not all the way over into the alternative, you know, the alternative 
side of things. And it's sort of like you're there's you're just in this no man's land of of being here nor there sometimes. And so you have to we get held as midwives to standards oftentimes higher than yes. than what our colleagues are. And we have to kind of walk this line of almost perfection uh, sometimes because there's very little forgiveness. But then on the other hand, then we we get, um, you know, as a, as a nurse midwife, we often get, get sort of criticized for being too medical, you know, sometimes, but then we're also not medical enough. And, and so that it's, it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a weird place to be sort of in that, in that limbo. And then also for any healthcare provider or that kind of stuff, never getting, it's very hard to get paid what you're worth, you know, and, and, and explaining why you should get how much time you put into it and that, that sort of thing as well too. Yeah. That's a, that's a big systems issue. That's like a, a, a four plot series for the whole mother show to do on, <laughs> on, on healthcare paying systems or something yes. like that. We won't go down that path today. I, I'd really like to um, put that information out there though, because I think if everyone uh, had all the information about that system, the way we're, we're paid, why we're paid and yeah. how, how I think, you know, a lot of people would be outraged at how yeah. unfair and how, um, how much, I can't think of the word that sort of injustice that's being done about payment. Yeah. Yeah. That's and great. that's, and not even just to, to midwives, um, but also to our physician colleagues as well, too, yes. that, you know, kind of our, our healthcare system and the private insurance system and the medic you know, kids is, I mean, it's designed to, to pay providers as little as, as possible, possible for most, right? for most things. And so, um, you know, maternity care is a losing business for the, for the most part, and, and they don't want to pay you for the, the time that anybody spends, you know, right. doing doing your job. Um, yeah. And so, you know, for midwives too, you know, if we have, we can spend, we don't, we don't, we don't, we're out of network providers. We're not in network. We don't have in network contracts because, because they will never pay us, you know, what we're, what we're worth or to cover our expenses, you know? And so, um, we can't provide all of those months of prenatal care and then spend all of that time in the birth, you know, in the birth room, and then all of the postpartum care to, you know, get $1,200 maybe, or, you know, $2,000. And then if, if we do all that, and then that results in a surgical birth, then you walk away with half of, you know, half of that, right. because the surgeon, oh, you know, the surgeon's going right. to get their, their, their fee, and they take it out of ours. And it's just, it's, it's kind of mind blowing when you sit down and talk to people about it, they're like, Oh, Oh, no, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's totally unjust. Yeah. Unjust. Um, the other thing I was um, uh, thinking about in terms of if well, we're kind of looking at the lows of midwifery is. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be like the, 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 the sad show or something oh, like well, that. No. I don't think so. We're going to talk about the highs too, but. We'll do that um, too. Yes. Uh, I was thinking about you know, the times when something doesn't go right. I mean, it's never, we, we can't always have perfection. It's not always without any complication or problem. And it seems to me what I noticed is that 
um, if you're having a hospital birth or a physician birth and something doesn't go right, uh, there's a totally different attitude about it than there is if the midwife brings someone to the hospital with a problem. It's almost as if uh, it's the midwife's pro. She created that somehow, or she's a she's at uh, at fault for that happening. There's some attitude there. Have you do you have something to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I do think that that's changing a little bit, or it depends. It's, it depends on where you're at and and who you're at. You know, there we're right. starting to get a little bit more collaboration just across the board in different regions of the country. It's a very a very different thing. But it is, it is, it is like we're we're held to different standards of things. So yeah, if 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 somebody is laboring outside of the hospital and they, you know, I don't, you know, their things aren't progressing. You know, they they've been like working really hard, or even something that you know, you, you know, labor isn't created fair. Uh, a normal labor could be three hours long, a normal labor could be three days long, but the two of them are not the same, are not the same labor, you know? And so even things like uh, maybe somebody that's having a long labor and they really are going to benefit from an epidural, you know, there's a difference between coping and there's a difference between suffering and trauma, you know, and, and epidurals can be really magical tools uh, when they're, when they're needed for those things. And they can be the magic ticket to a vaginal birth, but there's this, this, uh, sometimes it, they get deemed having, oh, you had a failed, a failed, whatever home birth or a fail. Oh, geez, there's no failure. There's no failure in birth. Um, you know, and so it, it, yeah. And so while anybody that's giving birth in the hospital, them not getting an epidural is like a, you know, like what, what are you doing? Or that was an accident or, you know, how did that happen? You know, kind of thing. But it's like, and just to, the same human beings are giving birth outside of the hospital. And sometimes we need those, those tools. And, and it doesn't mean that somebody did something wrong or somebody, somebody failed. And if a midwife never were to bring somebody in for help or for, you know, that, that it's an appropriate use of tools. It's an appropriate use of the system to be able to, to move up and come into a hospital when you need those, when you need those resources, that's, that's the system working, not the system failing. That's why I would say, no, no, Transfers aren't a failure. Transfers aren't a problem. Transfers are things going right, you know, and we need to so do view them as, as things going right, not as things going, going wrong and not be afraid to, to do it when it needs to, needs to happen. And then it shouldn't be punitive for anybody. Right. Very good. Well, let's look at highs. What do you like about being a midwife? Oh my gosh. You know what I love is that I get to, I get to meet people in every aspect of life. Like the things that people do for fun and for work are amazing. <laughs> you know, and it's always so mind blowing. So we, I, you know, if I worked, if I worked at, you know, as a, as an accountant or something like that, I wouldn't necessarily get to meet all of this, these amazing vast varieties of, of people and, and human beings. And so I think one of the things is just being able to meet such a wide variety of, of, of people and, and get to really be trusted to know the things they're afraid of and the things that bring them joy. And then to see them in a moment 
that's going to be hard, really hard. And, and also can be really amazing at the same, you know, at the same time, it's kind of like you're giving the day you have a baby is like your best worst day <laughs> Yes, <laughs> of your, of your, of your life. And just yeah. being able to, um, be a part of that in a little bit and to watch that, that, you know, just that strength of human beings in any circumstance in birth, whether it's the most, you know, magical unicorn, you know, birth or whether it's every possibility of iteration of hoop to jump through to get there, you know, if on the other side, somebody can just be like, Oh my gosh, that was amazing. And I did it. You know, that, that's what, that's what really brings me joy to watch them kind of pull, find their own strength and then see where and they their go power. from there. And their power yes. for yeah. a woman to find the power that she didn't know she had. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. You know, I always told people it's a training program for you to learn how strong <laughs> and determined and powerful you really are. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that sometimes the things that show you how powerful you are, are they're usually not the things you thought it was going to be, you know, right. the thing that might show you how powerful you are is, is, you know, birth is rarely the way anybody imagines it. I, I would say, I think I've, I don't know how many, how many births I've been a part of. And I've had one first time mom and maybe any, one time afterwards, somebody said, well, that's kind of exactly how I thought it was going to go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, even if it, even if on the outside, it looks exactly like how you think it's going to go often in your, in the person's head, it's not going that way right. at all. Right. And you you probably remember this, Pat, how many times people apologized afterwards for screaming or yelling yeah. at you. And you're like, you actually didn't say anything. <laughs> you know, that was, yes. that was all in your head. Yeah. And that, that wasn't, that was all in on the inside, you know, you weren't um, nearly as loud as you thought you were. Yeah, ex yeah, exactly. No, you didn't, you know, or maybe <laughs> there was just one little gasp uh, in there, but, but that, so it's really, um, and to watch and to watch people grow as parents, you know, and to and to watch them go through those challenges and then but be able to usually draw on that strength and that power, you know, and, and we see this too when when births become kind of traumatic or that 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 power was taken from somebody in a in a birth, um, you see that then how that goes as they move on, do they, do they realize that loss and then they're determined to get it again? Or do they then continue to doubt themselves and, and, and kind of question and, and um, kind of have lost that self-worth in some, in some ways. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's like a turning point that birth can be just a, a, a big pivot point. Yes. Huge. Yes. What else do you like about birth? and being a midwife at birth? Um, I love the camaraderie of the people that are there with me and the things that, that we, you know, cause it's such a, it's such a birth is such an uncomfortable space uh, for people that aren't there every day, you know? And so the people that are in the room and have chosen to be in this kind of liminal, this liminal space, that's neither here nor there. The, the other people that are in the room are really, really fascinating as well, too. And so to get to know them and to 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 be able to laugh about things or to, you know, work together on something is really 
um, is really amazing. And I love it when, when you don't even have to say anything and everybody knows, you know, what's going, what's going on. Um, I think that that's something that's really kind of fun because it's just such a unique, a unique space to be, to be in that you don't get to go home when you go home and you talk to your family about it. They don't, they don't exactly understand, (laughs) you know, what, what you're talking about. Um, and so it's, it's really fun to kind of just see, see the, the kind of the magic and all, sometimes it's almost like little gears, you know, taking, Mm -hmm. taking place that I, I really love that Mm -hmm. aspect to see what else is going on. And then I love it when siblings Mm -hmm. see, see, see their babies for the first time is just, I mean, every time it's just magic in some way to just the wonder of it and the, and the, that, or sometimes they just don't even pay attention. You know, they're just like, Oh, what's this over here? You know, kind of stuff, which is also really beautiful. So I think, yeah. you know, siblings and seeing that family is, is, is every time it's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, tell the audience, share a little bit about how siblings sometimes participate in a birth. Yeah. So, so they, they can participate in so many different ways, you know, and it depends sometimes on their, on their age. Sometimes if they're little and they're at a birth, they're just sleeping, you know, or, or yeah. they're, or they're being two or something like that. It's great to, if we have siblings at its birth, or we always talk families, it's great to have somebody that can be with, be with the, them, you know, as their support person and explain things and there are doulas that, that do specific sibling care as well too. Um, but even when kids get to be a little bit older and, and especially the elementary school kids to have them, you know, I've had them sit next to me, you know, as a baby is being born with their, you know, with their mm. giant gloves on, they don't have to wear gloves, but you know, like with yes. gloves on and, you know, kind of all suited up and ready to yes. go. And just to, just to watch them in awe of it because they don't necessarily bring the fear into it and they don't right. bring, bring the other stuff. And it's just, it's just really magical to, to watch them, to get, to have them help, you know, yeah. too. And don't we both agree too that uh, having a sibling present at a birth in that way that you've described uh, impacts them in terms of their own birthing, whether it's male or female, that they, they now have a, a, a sense about what birth is about. Yeah, absolutely. Or even when they're not, not there, when siblings, when kids grow up thinking that birth is normal and not mm-hmm. scary, yes, you don't understand why it's normal and scary. And I think I'm a, I'm a good example of that because my younger brother and I were both born at home, and it, and it and we knew other people that were, and my parents weren't like you know it, they were just my parents, you know, they were just regular, they were just regular people, you know, kind of stuff. And it wasn't until I was older that I was like, oh, is that an unusual thing to to be done? You know, like I just yeah. I just didn't even know that that wasn't that, you know, like it wasn't until I was really an adult and, and kind of into became in that I was like, oh, I didn't even know that wasn't just how it was, you know, would, would happen. Everybody you know, didn't of, do it that way. Right, right. And I think my kids will be are very much the same, you know, the same way as well. A couple now my now as they my boys get older, they would be mortified. But you know, a couple years ago, my my son was like, Mom, when when do I get 
maybe when I'm 15, do you think I could come to you to work with you? And I could, hand, I could hand you your instruments. Aww, and I thought, I don't know what, what you think I do, but yeah. And I was like, that would, I would love it if you would do that. And I'm in my head, I'm like, when you're 15, there is no way you're going to want to be anywhere. Near. <laughs> right. But they do, you know, like my, the kids come and they'll help out and, and, um, then one of them knows how to do the autoclave and he, you know, he, he's all into, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and they, and they help out and they, they meet people sometimes and they're, and they're there and they'll chat with people. And so to, even though I'm not having more babies, it's great to have them. It just yeah. be a, a regular part that one day maybe they'll be like, Oh, my mom was, that was a little bit different you know she was maybe she was a little bit of a rabble rouser I didn't realize that yeah do you sometimes have at birth that you do sometimes the children might cut the cord or uh, have little duties that they uh, participate in yeah and it depends it depends on the 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 child and what they're interested in or what they want to do you know some some are really, really active and involved and will help out and, and maybe we'll give them little jobs to do or find mm-hmm. things. And then some of them are just in the little corner, just kind of watching, or maybe, you know, maybe they, maybe they're there or they're off playing with toys or something. They're just mm-hmm. totally, you know, kind of oblivious about it, but it is really fun to, to kind of have them peer, peer over what's going on or, or, mm-hmm. or help to get things or, or do that. And, at the prenatal visits, we do it the same way, getting, you know, like having siblings help listen to, listen to babies or help measure, measure, measure bellies and get them to, uh, I've taken so many kids vital signs at the same, you know, at the same time or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, okay, we're going to do mom. Oh, now we're going to do you and we're going <laughs> to do you again. And and then I'm like, actually, will you do my, will you check my blood pressure now, you know, and, and, nice. and get them involved because it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it takes the, the scariness out of it. And right. then too, when they go to the, when they have to go see somebody, mm-hmm. maybe it won't be, it won't be as scary when they need to go do something too. Yeah. Yes. That's very good. Well, what advice do you have out there for the community, for uh, people who are considering having a baby, but also for community members? Oh man. <laughs> what would you that's a big question uh, what would you um what do you wish everyone knew I think I I wish everybody knew that a there were there are options you know like that it doesn't I, I hear all the time from people if I'd only know that known that this was even a possibility and if I had only known for my last birth that this was a that this was a thing. So I just, I would just wish it was like more public knowledge that yeah. midwifery care is there. And it's, and there's some form of midwifery care for everybody in every yes. circumstance yes. Um, as well too. And that you can, you deserve more time, you know, and that you deserve, deserve to be treated, you know, well, right. and, and kind of that you're, in, that you're really in charge of your care. Yes. You have more power in your decision-making. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. We're just about out of time, but um, any other words of advice you might have? And then would you tell the audience how to reach you again? I don't know if any more, adver- just drink more water. <laughs> That's my words of advice. Drink more water and take a yes. nap. It'll pretty much fixes everything. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but 
why uh, I'm with um, Heart of Houston Birth and Wellness Center, and uh, our website is uh, www.heartofhoustonbirth.com, and we're in the in, uh, in the Bel Air area of town, and our phone number is eight three two eight nine nine four nine seven one. Very good. Mary Love, thank you so much for what you do in our community to bring us more positive parenting. And we're grateful to you. Thank you so much for having me. If you want to contact us, and we're always pleased to hear from you, our address is wholemothershow at gmail.com. If you want to hear previous shows like this, you can go to wholemothershow.com. If you want to contact me, personally, please feel free to email me at birthcare at AOL.com. Thank you to our engineer, our production coordinators, to EJ, to Eric for all your support to help us keep this show possible. Thank you out there for listening to Whole Mother. I'm Pat Jones, and this is KPFT Houston, Houston Community Station. Why, oh why can't I